This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hello to our Lifetime Sentence family. As I mentioned, I feel like in the last episode, it might have been in Patreon, um, my family is dealing with something right now. It's definitely not a bad thing, but it's not something that I'm allowed to talk about right now. Um, but because of this, I am unable to be available to record a full episode. So, um, please enjoy this Patreon episode and, um, send positive vibes to my family. Like I said, it's not a negative thing at all. It's just something I'm not allowed to talk about until it's all over. And so we appreciate your patience and your understanding. So you want to hear a funny story? I do. Um, you know, I no longer have an iPhone and sometimes it's a, a real point of contention. And then sometimes I'm like, but my camera is way better. This really sounds but, like a sad story and not a funny story. So, um, no, no, no. So the thing that I miss most about my iPhone is my, um, my AirPods, AirBuds, whatever they're called. AirBuds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have little golden retrievers that sit in my ears while I listen to music. Is your goal to just make me do a spit take at some point on this podcast? Yes. You're Um, getting there. So um, I found out today that Amazon has released Schmashmexa headphones (laughs) and I sure did buy them. But now I can't talk to my ears without every personal assistant in my house responding because I have (laughs) one in every room in my house. And this is the greatest first world problem that my personal assistants don't even know which one I'm talking to. (laughs) I want to feel sorry for you, but I don't listen. Um, it's, it's really tough being just completely wealthy. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're completely wealthy, could you like pass some of that along? I'm driving through a tunnel. You're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> you're sitting at a desk in your house. You jerk. It's a mobile home. What? <laughs> I said it's a mobile home. We're just <laughs> speeding down the highway. My personal oh, yes. driver. The, the picture of wealth is driving around <laughs> <with> a mobile home. <laughs> I meant to say motor home. <laughs> this is a disaster and we're only two minutes in. <laughs> that was amazing. This is the content you pay for, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, also, like, Alyssa, I'm so sorry. Like, she posted in our Patreon, like, whatever happened to the Facebook group? Well, like, that's we had a good question. We had issues with it, and then nobody ever asked us about it. And so we just haven't done anything with it. But if y'all, like, want to revive the, the Facebook group, we're totally down. Yeah. When we were setting it up, we had some issues. And so Aaron and I both just kind of raised our hands and said, fuck it. And then that was the end of it. Yeah. But, like, we do it, – it exists. Like, we can put people in it. Um, yeah. Are you ready to hear a crazy unsolved mystery? Happy Halloween, by the way. Spooky Halloween is how they say it on um, My Favorite Murder, and I kind of like that a lot. So, but, yes, happy probably Halloween. probably trademarked that. No, <laughs> they didn't because they got it from a greeting card. Ew. They can't yeah. have everything. Mm. But, yes, happy Halloween. I celebrated it by being a shower. I celebrated it by taking a bath. Well, there we go. Like a long, hot, like relaxing bath. Okay, but if if I don't get an individual award for my costume, I have no faith left in my school. Did you see my homemade shower costume? Also, thank yes. you for holding in the, all the thoughts that you just had about my school. <laughs> that showed real self-restraint. You're welcome. I like almost bit my tongue clean off those. So I'm going to have trouble doing this episode. (laughs) All right. So tell me some wonderfully fucked up unsolved mystery. This is a wonderfully fucked up unsolved mystery. Yes. And it's, but it's kind of sad too. And that sucks. But um, I mean, they all are though. (laughs) I was going to say, which one's not? Uh, The missing C lab. That's the one that's not. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) This is the case of the Yuba County Five. Do you know anything about them? You were going to tell me about it. Wow. <laughs> I may not now. I got to go. <laughs> um, no, 
because they refer to this as the American Diet Love Pass incident. Oh, yeah. So it's not the Diet Love Pass. It's like the right, American. Right. Yeah. I know I know the reference, but but I don't know anything about it. Well, we're going to have to cover that one because that one's fucked up. But um, so let me tell you about this one. Tell me everything. February 24th, 1978. A group of five young men from Yuba County, California, Bill Sterling, age 29, Jack Hewitt, age 24, Ted, I think it's Weir, it's W-E-I-H-E-R. Okay. It's either Weir or like Why Her, but we're going to go with Weir. I like Why Her. (laughs) But for real, Why Her? 32, Jack Madruga, age 30, and Gary Matias, age 25, disappeared after attending a college basketball game played at California State University in Chico, California. The men were all known to suffer from mental illness. Um, why her? We, oh, see, why her? <laughs> it's a thing now. Uh, Weir, Sterling, Madruga, and Hewitt were all um, mentally and cognitively impaired. And... Matias had been psychiatrically discharged from the Marines after being diagnosed as schizophrenic. Okay. The men met at a vocational rehab facility where they played basketball together, and they were actually preparing to participate in a week-long tournament sponsored by the Special Olympics. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, After the game at um, University of California, Chico, um, where they had been cheering on some friends, they stopped at a convenience store for snacks and drinks before heading back to Yuba, which was about 36 miles away from where they were. And this is the last time they were. <laughs> this is the last, like, confirmed sighting. Like, of them. documented time. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't like um, that. Four of them Sterling, Hewitt, Weir, and Madruga. <coughs> Excuse me. Madruga were all later found dead. Matias has never been found. Ooh, no, definitely don't like that. Several days after their disappearance, their Mercury Montego was found abandoned in a remote area of Plumas National Forest on a dirt road that was about 70 miles away from Chico and a very far from any direct route to Yuba City, which is where they were going. <clears throat> None of the families had any ideas to why they might have driven this way or um, ended up where the car was found. Investigators also couldn't determine why the car was even abandoned because it was stuck in a snowbank, but it could have easily been pushed out and was in good working order and had a quarter tank of gas in it. Okay. A witness later came forward saying he had spent the same night in his own vehicle a short distance away from the Montego after suffering a mild heart attack trying to push his own car out of the snow. I don't like that. He informed police that he had seen and heard people around the car that night, including what appeared to be a woman with a baby, and twice had called out for help, only for them to grow silent and turn off their flashlights. Oh, no. So he um, he then later said like his testimony might not be 100% credible because he was in like such bad amounts of pain. He was like basically delirious. Okay. But he did say he saw the car and that he saw people there. Okay. Um, this testimony combined with the considerable distance from the car to where the bodies were discovered has led to suspicions of foul play. Another notable report was from a woman who worked in a store in Brownsville, which is about 30 miles from where the car was, had been found. On March 3rd, which is three days later, the woman told police that five, four of the five men had stopped at the store in a red pickup truck two days after the disappearance. So I'm sorry, two days. The store owner was able to corroborate her story and said that two of the men, Weir and Hewitt, came in and bought burritos, chocolate milk, and soft drinks. That sounds like the dinner of champions. Yeah, I mean, sounds good, actually. It's what I just had. <laughs> Evidence did not point to any clear conclusion about what happened the night the men disappeared. So police and the families did not rule out foul play at this point. The eventual discovery of four of the five men's bodies seemed to suggest otherwise, but it raised even more questions about what happened that night and whether at least one of them may have been rescued. 
On June 4th, a group of motorcyclists went to a Forest Service campsite trailer off the road about 20 miles from where the Montego had been found and found a front window broken in the trailer. Uh, when they opened the door, they were overwhelmed by a smell that turned out to be the decaying body of Weir. Oh. I'm not a... Okay, I'm just... Oh, you're going to be less of a fan. His body was on a bed wrapped in eight sheets, inclu- like including his head. Oh, okay, so just cash. Like, yeah. That's how I sleep. The autopsy showed that he had died of a combination of starvation and hypothermia. Oh, no. He had lost nearly 100 pounds, and the growth of his beard suggested that he had lived as long as 13 weeks from when he had last shaved. Oh, my gosh. His feet were badly frostbitten to the point of being gangrenous. Uh On the table next to the bed were some of his personal effects, including his wallet with money still in it, um, a ring and a necklace that he was known to wear. They also found a gold watch without its crystal, which um, all of the men's uh, family members said did not belong to any of them. Weird. And a partially melted candle. Okay. Yeah. He was wearing a shirt and pants, but his shoes could not be located. Most puzzling to the investigators was how Weir had come to this fate. No fire had been set in the trailer's fireplace, despite an ample supply of matches and paper to use as kindling. Heavy forestry clothing was also found in the cabin, which could have been used to keep him warm. A dozen sea ration cans had been opened and consumed, but a storage locker that held an even greater assortment of MREs had not even been opened. Another shed held a butane tank with a valve, which would have could have been used to power the trailer's heating system if they had hooked it up. What the <laughs> hell is this? Uh, Weir's family confirmed that this behavior is consistent with his lack of um, common sense arising from his mental disability. Evidence suggested that three of the men had been there together for at least part of the time, so searchers returned to the area and the next day found the remains later identified as Madruga and Sterling on the opposite sides of the road, about 11 miles from where the car had been found. Autopsy showed that they had both died of hypothermia. Two days later, another search party that included, included uh, Jack Hewitt's father found Hewitt's backbone under a manzanita bush. Like his spine? Like... About two miles away from the trailer. I just saw the disgusted look on my face, and I'm so sorry you had to see that. <laughs> a couple days later, his skull was found not far away from that. Um, his death was also ruled to be caused by hypothermia. In an area northwest of the trailer, about a quarter of a mile away, three Forest Service blankets and a rusted flashlight were found by the road. However, it could not be determined how long those items had been there. Um, never mind. I want to hold on to my question because I bet you'll answer it later. So... Gary Matias had been in the Marine, so it was they were thinking that maybe he had taken this stuff to try and survive, but they could not determine how long it had been there. Since he had presumably not been taking his medication because he did not have it with him, photos of him were distributed to mental in- institutions all over California. However, he's never been found. Oh, my gosh. Um, investigators still cannot explain what led to the death as they have no explanation as to why the men were there in the first place. A popular theory posits that the day before the men went missing, a forest service snowcat had gone along the road in that direction to clear snow off the trailer roof. So it wouldn't collapse. It is thought that maybe the group got lost and decided to follow the tracks through the snowdrifts to where they led, believing that it may lead to a shelter. Madruga and Sterling probably succumbed to hypothermia midway along the walk to the trailer. <clears throat> it is assumed that once they found the trailer, the other three broke the windows to enter. Since it was locked, they may have thought it was private property and feared arrest if they used anything they found there. Okay, I can see that. After Weir died, or the others believed that he had died, they perhaps chose to attempt to go back out and find help um, at that point than dying on their way. An interesting Reddit theory suggests uh, folia du. Okay. Which is shared psychocus. Psych- psychocus. Psychosis. Right. Um, 
Which, but, like, which... I, I think it's interesting because since Matthias was probably the most, like, high-functioning of the group, if he had not been taking his medication and had some kind of break, it probably would have not been hard too terribly like, it's hard to convince the others to go along with his delusion right does it then become folly a katra so sarah's in french and i can't even make the sounds for it but four hmm? well it's folly adieu it means two oh what it, a cut? uh-huh see <laughs> <laughs> this is asmr with paul I have a really funny meme about French that I'll send to you. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I think this isn't completely out of the question because of his schizophrenia and the others had a diminished cognitive capacity. But to me, like, still the real mystery in all this is not why they died or how they died, but why they were there. Yeah. It was suggested they were going to see an old friend in a nearby town, but it was after 11 p.m., which seems like an odd time to visit someone you hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, when do you go visiting? I don't. Well, that's fair. (laughs) Also, there were no indications, like, around the car that they had been indeed lost, like driving in circles, attempting to backtrack or back up, you know, things that you do when you're lost. So, that, I mean, the questions are, were they forced up there by someone or were they intending to meet someone in that area and something bad happened? And that is the mystery. Okay, so. Ask me your question. Okay, so you said his, like, skull was found one place and his spine in the other. Mm-hmm. So was he, like, eaten up by animals or, like? Yeah. Yeah. But they say, like, his his bones were scattered probably because of animals. Okay. Because it was, what, 13 weeks or something like that? Yeah, well, they were lost in, Fe- like, the, the la- they were last seen at the end of February, and they weren't found until the beginning of June. Okay. Okay. So it had been a long so time. So enough time had passed that that's feasible. And spring had come, and, like, animals come out, and they want to eat, you know? Right. So for some reason, this was a shorter timeline, and I remember you saying that much time now, but mm-hmm. in my head, it was a much compressed timeline, and I was like... Oh, so his body split in pieces and they're like, I think he just got cold and died. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's really sad, though. That's awful. And like, just the idea that these five guys that were like getting ready to play for the Special Olympics and like had all this, you know, stuff going on that like for some mysterious reason like drove into the woods and ended up succumbing to the elements. That's awful. Yeah. Um, so like they all had like, they all have like surviving families. Are they like fathers or like, like do they have? Okay. No. Okay. None of them had children. Okay. Not that that makes it any less sad. They had like parents, but they had parents and siblings and stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, again, not that that makes it like less of a loss, but at least there are also kids mourning. I can't handle when kids have to mourn. Yeah. Well, then there was somebody on Reddit that says they thought like one of the guy's brothers or no, one of the guy's sisters had just broken up with like her boyfriend who was supposedly like not a good dude. And so I guess the crazy theory is that like, they were going killed- to avenge the, the that- sister. It was the guy that had never been found. So they're like, oh, he they tied his body like to, you know, rocks. And he, that's why he's never been found. And then the rest of them, they just, I mean, but I don't know. I'm like, how do you keep someone alive for 13 weeks and then make them die of hypothermia with food around them? Right. And starvation. Like, that doesn't make sense. Um, additionally, I need more information about this tied to rocks theory. Like, where has rocks big enough to tie people to that they didn't think to search in that area? like like, um no there's no need to check that giant human shaped rock um prometheus (laughs) chill out (laughs) yeah this is a weird like this is one i could go down a rabbit hole about i think it's weird because then like if you'd seen if you'd seen them like I, i don't know the lady that saw them and then the poor man having his heart attack and just trying to get to an ambulance. Right? 
Which, by the way, this man then the next day, because nobody ever came to his aid, the next day had to get up and walk eight miles to get help for himself. I would. And he had. He went to the hospital and he had indeed had a heart attack. I would have a heart attack having to walk eight miles. <laughs> After having a heart attack. <laughs> no, I just mean this me and cycle. my general self. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird. And they were not, they weren't super far up the, like the snow line, you know? Uh-huh. Because it doesn't snow all the way down the mountains in California. You have like a, like a line. Right. And they weren't too far past that. Um, it would seem that they would walk down instead of further into... Right? Like, wouldn't you walk down a, the road you're coming up instead of into the woods? I don't know. Maybe... You know, like, if I thought it was an area that was familiar, and I was like... If I thought in my heart of hearts there was somewhere safe nearby, I might try to go there first, you know? Yeah. Um the the lesson i have learned from this is don't go where it snows don't go outside like, stay indoors right <laughs> watch hallmark christmas movies and that's all the snow you need yes that's the truth um so that this has been life advice mhm lifetime advice from <laughs> Ooh. staying on brand from Paul and Aaron. Lifetime advice. I love it. <laughs> Did you see the thing that I posted on our Instagram today? Yes. What okay, is your what's name? yours? I have to pull it back up because I did check. Okay. Mine is a mysterious pastor is imaginary. Yes. See, mine is also a mysterious pastor because we're only two weeks apart from each other. Correct. Um, stalks a blind mom. Okay, that's super <laughs> creepy. <laughs> uh, I shout out to my friend Rachel who follows us and like she's a Patreon member, but uh, who's uh, it was uh, the charming husband unplugs your TV. And I was like, that is the worst Lifetime movie Oh, well, my my friend Alyssa, who I was talking to about, or talking to, talking about earlier, hers is the hot carpenter sells your soul. How hot is he? Is he as hot as the contractor from Wednesday's episode? Because it might be worth it. But probably not. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll do it for me tonight. What are we watching on sun this weekend? You know, that's the operative question. I wrote down those titles. Oh, let's watch Crimes of the Mind. Well, that's the one I'm gonna have to find on the on the oh, YouTube. Well, then but okay. I'll no one it. would no, tell. <gasps> okay, let's do that one. Okay. I'm so excited. Uh, because I will be traveling this weekend. So oh, okay. I'll need an easier case to find. Typically, when the movie's easy to find, the case is easier to find. Yeah. Well, I from what I gather, uh, Crimes of the Mind is about a cult. So you know, I love me some cults. <laughs> you may want some extra. Time I need some time to, to, to like, devote to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. See, I do everything for you. you I know. know. <laughs> Listen, I know. One day you will be sainted, and I'll just be driving down the highway in my mobile home. <laughs> bragging about how wealthy we are <laughs> in my double wide oh my god i have seen some very respectable double wides i have too there's actually a bunch like up near marble falls like you know where marble uh -huh. falls is, like, yep. up, up near horseshoe bay like people buy those and they use them almost like tiny houses uh-huh it's like their little bougie vacation tiny house yes now when i lived in a mobile home it looked nothing like any of those things uh, mine was i called it the hot box because no matter how high i turned the air conditioner on like how high i turned the like high blast not temperature wise no matter how cold i tried to make it in there that place stayed steadily 89 degrees in the summer that's horrible do you know what hot boxing really means though yes Okay. <laughs> but I, I always called it the hot box because it was a hot box. 
<laughs> you were probably walking around school like, oh, I hot boxed the. No, the- I was an adult. This morning, and your kids are like, oh, then you were an adult. You're like, oh, I I hot boxed the trailer, and they're like, oh my god, no. What? Whoa. Uh-uh. I would never say it in front of anybody except for our paying Patreon members. Yeah. <laughs> yup. 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 So, yeah. Um. I mean, leave a comment on this episode in Patreon. Like, let us know if you're, like, really committed to the Facebook group. Because it didn't seem like people were really into it. But if you are, we will get it going. Absolutely. Um. Well, until next week, when I return with... An actual, like, someone dead. It's been a long time since I've done an actual someone dead kind of mystery. I just did five people died. I know you did, but I've been, like, avoiding it for a while. I mean, I did Amelia Earhart, but then it was like, an underwater lab went missing. Who made these cookies and other unsolved mysteries? Amelia Earhart (laughs) is for sure dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, by now. Yes. Like, for sure. Unless she, like, found some portal to, like, eternal health as well. She actually found the Fountain of Youth. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm... And then she got rescued, but nobody believed it was her. So she's probably in some mental institution somewhere. Well, like, so I realized... Since we brought her up, since I brought her up, I realized last week that I didn't talk about the most popular theory that she worked as a spy for the United States and then came back and had to live, uh, like live undercover basically with a new identity. Like in the witness protection. Yeah. And somebody published a book calling this old rich woman out for being Amelia Earhart. And she looks like if you squinted, she looked like Amelia Earhart, but like you had to squint. <laughs> um, it well, was, but I think I would have to be like a couple glasses in in order to think, to write a book about a lady being Amelia Earhart. So maybe that was the problem. Right. Well, he didn't need to squint. He was just drunk. He, uh, he got big sued and, um, they pulled the As book from publishing. little dude. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like big sued, like McDonald's sued, McDonald's coffee hot sued. Not like. I, yeah, but you that know, lady should have sued. Right. But not like, um, showing up on the people's court sued. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So. Man. Okay. I know we're running long and we're just yammering at this point. But anyone who's listening, if you can get us tickets to the filming of any courtroom TV show, I'm there. We will do a Patreon, like, right after and tell you all about it. Yes. All right. And on that note, have a wonderful night. You too. Bye. Bye. Do you like ghosts? Um, well, it depends. Not is fun the, ghosts. Is it in my house? No. In someone else's house? Mine. Oh. Mm. I was going to say it's that, it's that person, someone I don't like, but it's not, so. Well, it depends on the day, so. Oh. <laughs> Why? Have I told you about my poltergeist? No. Okay, so my poltergeist inspired me to cover a poltergeist for this week's episode, but I want to tell you about mine first because it's more important Excellent. Anyway. Okay. So. They're going to make him angry. I know. So, I'm assuming it's a man because I assume that all things annoying and fearful are men that's fair i mean i'll give you that <laughs> um, so when we bought this house i always suspected and always knew that there were um people sharing this house with us it's like my parents house it's super haunted yeah and um i always knew that there was an old man here He's mm-hmm. nice. He doesn't bother things, but I always knew there was an old man here. So when I asked one of our neighbors, come to find out the guy who lived here two owners ago was an old man who was kidnapped and um, was like held hostage for a while. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I suspect his spirit has returned here. 
I, yeah, it was real bad. Um, mm. He did get, he did get out safely, but there's a lot of damage that comes when you kidnap an old man. You know, like psychological well, there's damage. There's a lot of damage that comes when you kidnap, kidnap anyone, anybody. But as we just talked about, right? Um, and so, um, in fact, one night Sarah was asleep, and she sat up and she said he's here isn't he the old man and i have like never told her that she mentioned him because she doesn't mention spirits i'm the one who always like knows they're around so that didn't make me feel better no i have like full body chills right now no now you know why we're building a house and i checked i'm single because if my partner ever sat up in bed and was like he's here i (laughs) know I'd be like, cool, I'm gone. Like, <laughs> we even checked the property, like, where we're building to make sure that it had never been, like, a domicile of any sorts. And so I'm like, there should not be anyone buried here. But just my luck, the plot we buy will be the one that there's, like, they dig up active remains. Active remains? No. They dig up remains of an act investigation. Like <laughs> Active remains. <laughs> so, anyway, so we have a poltergeist also. And he's a dick. So most men are <laughs> the, the first time we realized that he was here um, a couple years ago, Sarah had lost her laptop and I was like, you always put it on that shelf. We've got this like shelf thing in our living room where we put things that we don't want to forget. And I was like, it's always there. Like go check the shelf. Well, she had naturally because that's where she always puts it. So then me being yeah, Dr. Sarah doesn't forget being the white man that I am. I had to go check mm-hmm. after her just <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that she checked. <laughs> Did you now? Tell me more about that. <laughs> Not that that's ever who I am, but I was like, I'm one of those people that like, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. And that's just my ADHD setting in. So I, sure, 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 I sure. Uh, checked everywhere. She checked everywhere. I mean, we went probably 12 hours looking for this computer. And then it was on that shelf. The one we both checked. I hate when that happens. Uh-huh. The worst. So then a couple of days... Uh, couple of months later it's when um, you play the game am i crazy or is this house haunted right so a couple of weeks a couple of months later i mean um i couldn't find my keys or for work. is there a glitch in the matrix also that possible um so a couple months later i couldn't find my keys for work i had to text my boss and be like i'm gonna be way late and i woken up early that day and i was still 45 minutes late for work because i could not mm-hmm. find these keys i was like i know i set them on this table i cleared off the table the keys were not there um about an hour later my keys are on that table no uh-huh you also go to work at like four in the morning so yes. that's like prime witching hours so right. it's really your fault um then um, one day it happened with peanut butter, and then most recently with my wallet. Oh, do not fuck with my peanut butter. Right? Um, in fact, no, sir. Sarah and I looked all over because I thought I'd had a jar, and she doesn't really eat peanut butter. I do. And so, like, she helped me look all over. So the next day I found it in the cabinet and I texted her, and I was like, hey, where'd you find the peanut butter? And she was like, nope, must have been Peeves. So... <laughs> Um, so then last week it was my wallet. Um, so thinking about my poltergeist and how much I fucking hate him. Um, it is not the spice of life. Poltergeist are not the spice of life. In case you're wondering. Um, I thought I would bring you Eleanor Zungun, who is the focus of the aggressive, of aggressive poltergeist activity from 1925 to 1927. Pass. She's known as the Romanian poltergeist girl. Um, so this I got from, God, I didn't write down the website. It, none of this is my own words. Just no, it's not like I did research. I don't do things for myself anymore. Um, but so it's been 90 years since Eleanor Zingun, a young teenager from Romania became the most closely observed, investigated, and tested poltergeist girl of the 20th century. And that's saying a lot, because yeah. the 20th century had a lot of shit going on. Mm, yeah. Um, the disturbing... I don't know what that sound was that I just heard. Let's see. I didn't hear a sound, so it's probably your ghost. It's going to pop up on my recording. It's that my headphones are low, but they should mm. be able to make it through the rest of this recording. Um... Because I don't know where my plug-in headphones are. Anyway, so the phenomena which um, surrounded her actually pursued her across Europe, which is what makes the case so um, 
fucking terrifying and well recorded because mm-hmm. like they moved her and the activity still followed her so it's not like it was where she was right. um it was also the first poltergeist case or one of the first poltergeist cases in which Freudian psychoanalysis came to be applied to her um like they decided that children could be Freudian like probably she wanted the dick because that's what Freud thought everybody wanted. oh right 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 yeah right, yeah yeah right. okay she's mm-hmm. haunted because she needs the d even though she was like yeah. 13 <laughs> so for uh, women it's that she needs to get laid and for men it's because they want to fuck their mom or they're gay because mm-hmm. sometimes a cigar is just a cigar if you're talking to Freud himself right but for everybody else it's a it's a phallic symbol so um American researcher D. Scott Rogo considered that the idea of quote a sexual base for the poltergeist was only suggested by the Zungun case meaning like well, we know that poltergeists are only there for sex. Thus, it played sure. part in cementing the link between adolescence and poltergeist activity, which is still the connection that's made today. Um, okay. Like that adolescence is when they come, and then like the age of um, puberty is whenever poltergeists disappear, is what the okay. idea is. So it began in 1925 when violent poltergeist activity broke out around the 11-year-old Eleanor Zungun after an argument with her grandmother. Her grandmother's home was struck by a rain of stones breaking the windows. Inside, small objects began flying around Eleanor, like Rose Red style. No. Um, So her grandmother shipped her back off to her parents. Good job, Grandma. (laughs) Right? When she got home... The manifestations continued, terrifying her father and stepmother. They feared that evil forces were at work, so she was brought to a local priest, a father, Romanian name, (laughs) Father M, that's what we'll call him. Um, He soon witnessed all of this activity for himself, and, um, and then, like, because to do a, to do a true Catholic exorcism, it's my understanding you need an old priest and a young priest. So mm-hmm. both the old and young priest agreed that they were seeing this stuff and like documenting it the same way. Okay. Um, a jug full of water rose in the air. A heavy trunk rocked up and down right after she sat on it. So like she's sitting on it and it's like rocking around back no. and forth. Yep. <laughs> the next evening, a different trunk was seen moving itself across the floor by a different man. No. Soon after, a board for mixing porridge. I'm not really sure what that is. Like, I know what porridge is, but I don't know how you mix it on a board. But I wonder yeah, if it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, a board used for mixing porridge rose up and struck Nikolai Ostafi. He's the man who saw the trunk moving across the floor. It flew up and hit him in the head and, like, gashed his head open. You know, I thought you said he's the man that saw Trump moving across the floor. <laughs> And I was even more terrified. (laughs) So soon after, oh no, I just said that. So then they performed this exorcism on her and it failed to do anything. So then she was sent to an 18th century monastery for prayers. Mm. And then prayers change everything. Well, not this case because the phenomena just keep going. Like all this poltergeist activity is still surrounding her now at a monastery, which I think is the setting for the scariest fucking scary movie I can imagine. I was dripping with sarcasm. (laughs) I'm well aware. You know, I believe in prayer and that it fixes (laughs) lots of things. So I'm just going to ignore that and continue Mm. on. Um, She was then moved to a mental asylum for adults. Apparently after the press coverage, like, uh, interfered. I know this is going to surprise you. The media screwed things up no, again. Right? No, that doesn't happen. Never. Um, so, but the media did bring the attention of German newspapers, which led to a German psychical researcher, Fritz Grunewald of Berlin, to come and visit with her. Hey, you nailed that. Good job. I do what I can. Um, he travels to Talpa, which is where she was living at the time, and located Eleanor, and he could find no abnormality in her. He decided that he was going to pursue the case, 
And right after he announced it, he died suddenly from a heart attack. So then instead, um, Eleanor's case was taken up by a young Austrian aristocrat. aristocrat. (laughs) So ours are so hard for me. I get so but the embarrassed. The is like such a good movie. I know. I, I know. I'm sure I've told you, but did I, did I tell you I, I have to go through speech therapy for ours? Yes. And I get so embarrassed when I have to say any of them. Aristocat. So, no, that was the best. Thank you. So a young Aristocat, Countess Zoe Wasilo Sarecki, who, um, who spoke Romanian. So she's Austrian, but she can speak Romanian. So she pulls Eleanor to live with her in her very rich abode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she funded she funded the most influential German uh, the most influential figure in German psychical research Baron Schrenk Notzing to come and study Eleanor with her so she takes Eleanor back to Austria she pays her family lots of money so that she can borrow her for some, for some time and they grant permission for her to um, take her. So Eleanor is kind of a, like, it's a peasant environment still wherever, like, I guess it's still a time when we can say peasant and it's true. I don't know. I don't I still say know. peasant and it's true. Well, yes, but you and I are peasants. So that's different. No, <laughs> I'm not a peasant. I had to wear corded earphones one time. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it looks like an upgrade for this poor woman, for this poor little girl. Um, mm-hmm. So she takes her takes her back to Vienna to her, um, like her mansion in Vienna. Um, and it was not actually rushed. It took her like three months to get from Romania to Vienna because the countess well, kept yeah. like stopping and making calls, like like visiting with her friends. Yeah, uh, right. You have to look, listen. You don't get to take that three month journey every so often, even if you are the countess. So you have to stop and see your friends when you can. That's fair. Go call in. Mm-hmm. Um, so she moves Eleanor into her flat in Vienna and um, she lives like there. Like you've never been a countess before. Right. And she um, lets her live there for several months while she's being observed by the countess and by psychical researchers. So um, how this. Often, according to this website, often the separation of the adolescent poltergeists focus from the domestic environment seems to bring an end to the phenomena. So, like, if you remove somebody from their environment, the poltergeist is going to leave them alone. That did not happen for Eleanor. Upon her arrival in Vienna, um, they underwent a lot more poltergeistic activity. I'm sure that's not a word, but I'm sticking by it. Um, I'm with you. The first incident was the fall of a silver spoon that a maid reported. Like, it just jumped off the counter while she was putting away the silverware. Um, Okay. So, the countess actually had doubts that this happened because um, she thought that either Eleanor was trying to pull the wool over on her staff or that the maid was just trying to get some extra attention. Okay. So, um, when the countess brushes this off, the poltergeist gets pissed and throws a pot of ink across the, like, across the room. Um, with nobody near it, the ink, um, sprinkles and smears many things in the room. Um, so following this, all the ink in the house was locked away. So that the poltergeist couldn't mess with it anymore. And Eleanor was restricted to only certain parts of the flat. Um, So the poltergeist then was like, well, I don't actually need a lot of space to piss people off. So water starts to fill Eleanor's boots. Like she won't be anywhere near them. And the maids will come by and find just like puddles in Eleanor's boots. Um, So... They realized that the phenomena usually occur in the same room or one room away from Eleanor um, and that it could cause damage to all the valuables if it followed her, like, her range. So they um, restrict her movements even more. She's locked to basically um, 
the drawing room, the dining room, and a couple of bedrooms. Sorry, the drawing room, the dining room, and a couple of the bedrooms were put out of bounds. So she was only mm-hmm. given the hallway, the servants' quarters, and her bedroom as places that she could wander around in. So that if the poltergeist broke stuff, it wouldn't be super important. Right. Um. So... Um, the poltergeist phenomena were divided into two stages, which was, uh, one was object movements and then, um, marks began to appear on her skin about six months later. So that's fun. Um, both categories of manifestation were blamed upon an entity that Eleanor called Dracu, which is the Romanian word for devil. Hmm. Yep. Um, so, Dracu is actually, of course, the basis for the name Dracula um, from Bram Stoker. Yes. Um, and so, uh, and then this website went on a nice little tangent about modern vampires sparkling in the sunlight and how girls romanticize what vampires look like today. <laughs> I fucking can't. Move on. So, um, it says that this Dracu, of course, is not... The one that was in Eleanor's, um, in Eleanor's problems, um, that the only thing that this Dracu shared with the idea of vampires is that, um, he wanted to bite a younger female. And so he chose Eleanor as his victim and bike marks, punctures and abrasions began to appear on her skin and were like photographed and monitored. No, no. Much was recorded by the Countess, including the following. Wraps on furniture. Toys and other objects dropping from the air in various rooms. Nope. Object movements, including items of furniture just scooting across the floor. Automatic writing produced by Eleanor that would explain events that she had not witnessed. The disappearance and reappearance of objects, sometimes for weeks, looking at you, peeves. (laughs) on one occasion like a strange gravelly demon voice and sudden displacements of pins and needles found in Eleanor's arms and hands oh no nope 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 so um like I mentioned objects were moved and they seemed to appear and disappear locked doors did not matter she could pass through them um, sometimes, in fact, the things would appear through locked doors. So, like, Eleanor would not be able to get into a room, but then all the chess pieces disappeared from, um, from a room where they'd been locked in, and they re- reappeared three days later, falling from the air. No. The Countess recorded each and every phenomenon, firstly, in her handwritten logbooks, volumes one through three, which totaled 141 pages, which she later turned into a full book. Um, let's see. A total in excess of 3,000 phenomena, which nearly 900 are very well documented. So, like, there are 3,000 reports that came out between her and visitors to the flat, 900 of which are super well documented. Um, the Countess recorded 67 incidents in one day and 1,050 in three months while Eleanor was in Vienna. Okay. So much fun. Mm, yeah. So then a British researcher, Harry Price, believed that he witnessed both the dermal phenomena and object movements on his visit to the Countess's flat in Vienna. Um, He was present when a mirror was mysteriously transported along with the repeated disturbance of books in the flat. So books would just kind of fly off bookshelves and this mirror just like flew through the room. Um, Now he is a very controversial character um, who has in this website said he's been championed and vilified in the 70 years since his death. Okay. so probably the truth. So they have somewhere. someone with a, with a wide range of uh, right perception. Yeah. Right. It says that probably the truth about him lies in between. Um, As it does with everyone. One of his friends who'd known him for 30 years stated that he was neither good, neither as good nor as bad as people made him out. Um, 
but um, his later critics made scarcely any attack on his involvement in the Eleanor Zungun case. Like, even the people that hated him did not question the things he'd seen at this uh, flat in Vienna. Um, the Countess herself lived until 1966, and there were too many other distinguished witnesses who were involved to single out Price in this case. So even though lots of people didn't like him, like, there were so many rich and powerful and believable people who'd witnessed it that nobody questioned whether or not he was telling the truth. So the, like I said, the movement of objects gradually shifted to the dermal phenomena, which were scratches and bites on her skin. Um, and so she suffered these marks, um... And attributed them all to Draku. The bite marks did not score correspond to her own teeth. So people tried to say it was self-inflicted, but like you could match that her bite did not match that. And nobody's bite in the flat matched that. Okay. Um, Some of the punctures left impressions like teeth in Eleanor's skin, which was smeared with what appeared to be saliva. Ew! Uh-huh. Ew! Ew! Mm. On October 25th, 1926, she was examined by a number of doctors in Berlin and a zoologist who tested the saliva appearing around the bites. The substance was teeming with microorganisms different to those found in the mouth of Eleanor. Um, though there was some doubt as to whether it was spit at all. Swarming in the white substance were staphylococci bacteria. No. Yes. Cases of poltergeist scratches and abrasions are recorded historically, but exceedingly scattered in literature of the poltergeist. Um, so there are actually... It doesn't happen often in the writing, but when they do, they're all creepy like this, basically. Um, Because I'm skipping a couple of paragraphs that don't make sense now as I read them again. Um, So in the autumn... (laughs) Right. In the autumn of 1926, the Countess embarked with Eleanor upon a tour of some five months duration, visiting Mm -hmm. the leading psychical researchers of that time. They went to London, Berlin, Nuremberg, and Munich. Okay. Um, So Harry Price tested Eleanor along with a number of interested scientists and observers on her arrival in London, which received a great deal of publicity. Eleanor was the subject of study at the National Laboratory for Psychical Research, um, which led to an extensive report and had much coverage in the British press. So again, all these things are super well documented. Okay. So aside from the punctures... There were also stigmatic marks that appeared on her breasts, no. arms, and wrists. Yep. Um, psychosomatic marks and lesions have been noted in the case of hysterical patients and stigmatics, but the marks and abrasions on Eleanor gave the impression of her being physically, like of being physically inflicted by an external vor- force. They don't mimic the psychosomatic marks that have been documented in the past. Mm. Um. In its later stages, she was accused of manufacturing incidents, of course, um, but, um, oh, so a part of that is because at one point they were trying to record it happening and she inflicted a wound on herself to show how it happened. So then everybody was like, well, look how easy it is for her to hurt herself. She must be doing this all the time. No, 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 no. Right. Um, let's see. Eleanor, of course, like I mentioned, was accused of faking her injuries, uh, perhaps with the assistance from the Countess, but the critics couldn't prove anything. Numerous individuals in different places were able to witness the phenomena, and virtually all observers over the period of 1925 to 1927 were satisfied that the majority of marks were not deliberately inflicted injuries, suggesting that at the very least, a psychosomatic origin, um... But simple fraud fails to explain, like, the totality of incidents, especially the documented cases of things flying across the room and things like that. Yeah. So, throughout all of this, she remained, like, a childlike... Like, she retained her childlike quality, whereas in many of these cases, it seems like the the child grows into this, like, 
demon type figure or grows up very quickly like when yeah. she, when she wasn't showing signs of like crazy possession she was like whistling and skipping through the hallways like oh honey um she was said to be a simple and rather pleasant child um the underdeveloped nature of her personality was shown in that many of the um things that flew around were toys um in fact it was observed that she was more like a child of eight than a child of 13 she gave the appearance of loving the countess very much especially because um she pulled her out of this awful living environment into this beautiful regal kind of existence right right, right. yeah um she did not seem to display altered states of consciousness that often seem to arise in poltergeist cases um so like even whenever all these events were surrounding her it wasn't like she had a lot of these um you know, like the Poltergeist movie where they've actually being possessed situations. There were a couple of times, but nothing that happened steadily. Um, so it was just really crazy. This case had none of the normal symptoms of a normal possession. Okay. Um, so at the end of the tour in 1927, a record of her demographic phenomena was made on 36 millimeter film. The Countess wanted the movie to be shown only in connection with her introductory text and only to very selected audiences. Giving Eleanor's ages 14 rather than 13, um, it is silent and shows sessions with her conducted by three experiments, one female and two male, in which abrasions of the skin apparently emerge. It's a super disturbing film. It's just a silent film about like random welts appearing on people's arms. Like, yeah, no, I'm gonna pass on the random welts. I Thank figured, you. I figured you would. Um, so the phenomena weighed, uh, waned after Eleanor reached puberty and began to menstruate, according to reports. Um, which, and then it ceased entirely pretty soon after that. Um, with the end of the phenomena, the Countess actually funded Eleanor to train as a hairdresser. And she moved back to Romania where she could make a livable wage. Um, So the Countess did help her, like, jumpstart her future. Everybody needs nice hair. Um, Harry Price traced her in in 1945, um, by which time he'd found that she'd gotten married. And then in the 1960s, she visited Vienna again, a guest of the Austrian parapsychologists, where she again met with the Countess. Um, since then, there has been no recurrence of phenomena around her, and she died in Romania in 1998. Wow. That's sad. That's crazy AF. Well, yeah, that too, but it's sad. It is sad. So the answer is, do I want to go to Romania? <laughs> No. No. Mm-mm. No. I'm going to pass. Yeah, I think I'm busy that day. Mm, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> That's always my excuse. Me- <laughs> I have a meeting that day. I, ca- I can't miss it. Cannot miss it at all. Well. Wow. That was so much fun. I love a good ghost story. <laughs> yes. You don't ever do ghost stories, so I, it was fun. I know. I try to keep them for... Sp- so I used to do ghost story Wednesdays if my students got all their work done the week before. Mm-hmm. Then Wednesdays, we'd pack up class 10 minutes early and somebody could prepare a ghost story. I'd pick each week who was going to do it. Um, but That's so cute. Then I had some kids who ruined it and I've never brought it back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to decide still what I'm going to do. I, I'm trying to go in a different direction. <sighs> I was thinking about doing maybe you, which is based on books. I thought you were just going to tell my life story. And I was like, I want to hear it through someone else's point of view. Yes. No. Um, It's based on books. It's on Netflix. But also I was thinking about maybe filling some time because on March 18th, Reese Witherspoon I was just about to ask if you'd seen the Celeste Ng book movie coming out Little Fires Everywhere yeah Little Fires Everywhere is coming out on Hulu is it a miniseries or uh, it's a miniseries yeah Um, it's coming out on Hulu it's going to drop every week so I'm trying to decide if I'm going to stall until then and then pick that up and do it or if I want to go like because you is going to be a lot because it's two seasons right covering two books so 
I don't know. I'm working on it. We'll figure it out. If you have an opinion, let us know. Yeah, please do. We mm-hmm. love taking suggestions. Yes. I mean, you was Joey's suggestion. Oh, that's true. I'm taking that. But I don't know if they'd rather we wait and do little fires everywhere, like, as it comes out and then do you later. Or if I should just jump into it now. I don't know. Right. But I do love these series based on books. They're so much fun. I have a great time with them. Uh-huh. Well, my right AirPod just died, which tells me it's time to get off this mess. <laughs> We've been recording for All three right. hours now. Let's get off this mess. All right. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We love you. And you are you. the absolute best. Yes, you are. Have the best time. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.